Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And my name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And my name is Rebecca Johnson. And if you want to hear some more analysis on Snyder Films, you can check me out at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. And I am also one of the hosts of a podcast called Supergirl Radio, where we talk about Kryptonians quite a bit. We're going to be talking about Kryptonians a little bit in uh, in this minute. <laughs> Thank you again for joining us, Rebecca. Always <laughs> oh a pleasure. Oh my gosh, such a pleasure. Yes. Always, always, always. Um, today, we are talking about minute number 174. Um, and this minute is going to start out with The Flash and Batman discussing satellites. And this minute is going to end as we enter a new part, part six, something darker. Uh, this minute ends with mm-hmm. Lois and Clark holding hands. Yes. So I, I really want to talk about something about this satellite stuff. So uh, <laughs> obviously we start here with a little, a little joke. This this movie has some humor in it. And 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 so Barry Allen is confused here. He's like, oh, you, wait, you have a satellite? And Batman turns quickly and says, I have six. Um, which I think is there's there's something I think is is pretty clever here. Maybe it's a stretch, maybe it's a reach, but he has six satellites and there's uh, six Justice League members. But they're oh. he had he had one before, right? So he, he used to have seven, but then Man of Steel they broke one. Yeah. So they had seven, then they lost one satellite. Now he has six. So there's like a you know. To me, there's some sort of Justice League reference here of having seven, but you lost one. Maybe you can think of like, oh, well, we lost Superman. That's like one got destroyed by Superman, but also Superman himself died. <laughs> so we lost a satellite, but now we have six. And so there's, to me, there's some sort of like uh, connected parallel there. Like, oh, I had six satellites. Yeah, I, I think, used to have seven. <laughs> I think you could look at that from a positive perspective that it's like uh, it's paying homage to the Justice League. But then there's uh, maybe this also more negative view you could take of that that is Batman, does he have a satellite to track each of the Justice League members and what they're doing? Is he <laughs> uh, is he spying on them essentially, trying to make sure that... Because Batman in some stories, he is the character who has to be the the person who's like if any one of these people goes rogue we need to do we need to know what to do about them so i also sort of when you said that i was like oh is he tracking all of them somehow with these satellites <laughs> yeah yeah what what would wayne industries need with uh six or seven satellites right um you know in, in aerospace engineering and, and everything else that Wayne Industries does, it's like, why would you need six or seven satellites? But we have that in real life with people with their own private um, aerospace. There's thousands uh, of them floating above yeah. us right now. What are you talking not only th- about? Not only thousands of working satellites, but also just like thousands of debris and, and mm. junk in our in our orbit too. So um, yeah, there's <laughs> to have six or seven satellites, it's, that's the rookie numbers, right? I guess they need more. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and yeah, who knows? Maybe Lex Luthor himself has uh, satellites as well. Um, now, uh, th- no one's no one's upset over the the comedic bit with 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 I have six. Are are we are we upset? 
No, it was great. Okay. No, I, I, think, I it's, think it's great as well. I just I think, think it's, it's funny such... to always bring up that this movie has humor in it. Yeah. Uh, even Dawn of Justice, I think we when we were covering that, it's like, oh, look, there's a joke here. Like, how shocking. It's you know? so perfectly Ben Affleck joke to me because it's not even like he's doing a wise guy. Like, oh, yeah, I got six. Wink. There's no wink. It's like just like straight up fact. It's just turn, turn and, and say f- fact. It's like, yeah, six. Like, I got my bases covered, dude. Like, you don't even, <laughs> I don't know why you're confused. Like, yeah. <laughs> I have six satellites. You don't need to, <laughs> there's no confusion here, dog. Yeah, yeah, and it's in character for Batman and the Flash's relationship because earlier on, mm-hmm. uh, Flash is like, "So, what's your superpower?" And he's like, "I'm rich." Yeah, that's he, it's it's the same it's the same dynamic played in a different scene. So I think just, it's actually very character correct. Yeah, very very character correct. He's he's short with him. It's and it's not like in a rude way. It's just like, oh yeah, basic fact said. said <laughs> right? Can we move on? Like we're good. You're you're the, you're the quick one. Um, I don't need to explain. Uh, one of my favorite things is thinking that Batman's got to go back home to use his, his computer. That's I love that. Um, <laughs> he can't just like be like, okay, let me go back to the Batmobile and radio Alfred to be like, hey, turn turn the PC on, warm up the warm up those fryers, uh, <laughs> yeah, rub up those fryers. Uh, yeah, but like him being like, uh, we gotta get, we gotta get back to my computer and 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 turn it on and, and figure it out. And Cyborg's just like, no, dude, I got Wi-Fi, bro. Like, <laughs> I, I can remote remotely. in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's done so well here to kind of wrap up and move on to the next uh, scene and, and really the next chapter of this entire movie. It's like we have to get back to the Batcave and it kind of, it works in a way where it's like we, we, we know what we have to do as a group. Let's regroup. Let's go back to the Batcave, um, do the little Adam West like bat symbol and move on to the next scene. <laughs> um, like, it works well for pacing, for story, you know, storytelling to say, like, this is what we must do. Let's go and go do it um, to plan the the rest of the movie. And, you know, there's a bit of humor there to just kind of like break up the tension, um, get people kind of out of the depression funk of like, OK, well, a character has just died. We need to get ready for a third act that's going to be really bombastic and like have a lot of action in it. Um, So we need to, we need to set that up. But then also the joke helps with the next scene, which is going to be like, um, you know, a character has just died, but now we go somewhere hopeful, you know, and now we're going back to Smallville and we're going to have, you know, sun, sun rising and, and, and like you have like these, this long grass and like this, kind of Kansas, you know, wildflower meadow in front of Kent Farm. Um, and to, to kind of bring things back into light and you kind of break it up with a little bit of quick humor and, you know, you have your favorite DC superheroes in, in their costumes and they're getting ready to do what they need to do. So, like, it has a good way of this emotional roller coaster of, like, low point and then, like, let's start to ramp back up a bit. Like, we've hit the brakes now. Let's, let's, let's start to... Um, do a slow build back to the the intensity of of, of chapter six. Um, so I do a phenomenal job just like directing a movie and 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 saying like, you know, let's let's like how do we change gears in a way that's not so sudden or shocking or even taking too long, like spending too much time on a character's death and depression and all like and you know let's let's move on a bit 
Um, and, and so they do, do a really smooth transition here. Um, and then the title cards, they always work for me uh, in this movie. Like um, whenever I'm watching this film, um, whether you need it for like a bathroom break or whatever, but like whenever I see the title card, I get like energized again. I'm like, like it's almost like you've completed reading a chapter in a book and you're just like, you see that next number and you're like, yes, we did. Like I, I completed a chapter of this movie. Like I feel good about it. And then the next one comes and you get excited about it because then you're like, there's like this silence, but there's also like this like kind of like bass hum to it. And you're just like, ooh, this feels good. Like I'm excited. <laughs> um, yeah, I love the yeah. I love the irony of chapter six's title. It's it's titled mm-hmm. something darker, but uh, as you say, like previously to that, there's a little bit of humor and a little bit of uh, lightness going into it, and then it it flashes up the title card, something darker. But underneath those words, you hear the you hear those uh, beautiful, peaceful, ambient sounds of the Kent farm underneath it. And then uh, the next thing you see is this shot of Clark and Lois landing on the farm. And they're doing it in a really delicate and peaceful way. It's not like Superman crashing to the ground. It's very right. um, a controlled way of uh, bringing both of them down onto the farm. So Clark, by this point, I guess, is fully in control of his powers. He knows what he's doing. And there's this uh, warm and colorful image of this daylight scene there's sky there's green grass and it's peeking out of this otherwise black space so you have this title card something darker but everything about it is serene and warm and colorful and peaceful so i love that it's this this uh kind of dark shot with only clark and lois giving it this warm splash of color and this peaceful feeling to it so i think there's there's a there's an irony i guess to it Um, That I think, you know, uh, Snyder films are often criticized for being too dark, too grim, Mm -hmm. too gritty, uh, not having a lot of color, sometimes, you know, being so dark that everything is at night. But here it's sort of playing on this something darker when nothing about it following is is dark. Everything is light. Everything is uh, warm. And so I really appreciate the uh, I don't know if that was like an intentional irony, but I find (laughs) it a little bit ironic. Yeah, no, you, you definitely, definitely something um, that I think you're you're right about is is how ironic it is that it says something darker and then opens up uh, it, not just Smallville, but like you said, this kind of negative space and um, it's not they they purposely chose that they would shoot from like uh, inside the house as a window, but you don't see the interior of the house like they purposely mm. made it like this black negative spacing and then to zoom out through the window and to kind of start to enlarge it. And so it's showing like almost physically that like this sunrise is like illuminating the picture. Cause as they zoom out into, or they like roll forward out into the, the landscape that it widens the sun itself. Um, and so it's a really amazing shot of, of this, uh, this small villain then uh, of course Clark and Lois landing and I always think back to Man of Steel when he rescues her from like the escape pod mm-hmm. and they do that little twirl yeah 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 and it's one of my favorite shots of that entire movie is is him rescuing her I always love that um but yeah they they land softly here in Smallville and uh it's just just a beautiful image I I, I always love this shot of like filming from inside the house and then yeah I moving, I wish I could out. 
come up with something that incredible it seems incredible like a larry looking. fong I mean, thing but it's not it's fabian wagner he's <laughs> like this is what we're gonna do the idea of it just going through the front window with uh the window actually having no window panes as well like no separation of that and it is just this um this being coming down from the heavens um as you know you would be seeing it through the window it, i don't it, it really is just incredibly hopeful um angelic in a way it's it's beautiful it really is a great 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 shot and it shows the perspective of being in the house at this time you know the there's a sign outside that has foreclosure on it which Mm -hmm. i have a lot of thoughts on if you really want to get nerdy about it um but inside the house it's dark it's black there's no one there yeah yeah, it's empty martha's had to give it up and um so i i think there's so much going in that one shot that i think is really really cool hmm I do want to hear about this. Floor, yeah, what floor happened, what's, what's up with the foreclosure I, stuff? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I was just kind of looking at it like, you know, everything that a filmmaker does, like none of this is accidental. You know, there's, I, I didn't call the number. I thought about calling the number, but I was like, what if it's a weird number and I don't want to like talk to somebody? But of course the number is 785 <laughs> instead of the usual 555. So I thought that was interesting right off the get-go is that they didn't use the, the 555 on the, the number. But it, uh, it says Comanche Realty uh, mm-hmm. on the side, yeah. which I think is really interesting because just uh, uh, in my day job, I work a lot with uh, Native American communities. And so I've been trying to learn about Native culture and the different nations and the tribes that uh, make up Native culture. And so I thought it stuck out to me that it said Comanche, Kansas on there and Comanche Realty. And I was starting to think like, oh, yeah, Kansas is in, uh, you know, near Oklahoma. That area Mm -hmm. would have uh, native communities in there. And so I looked up Comanche. uh, It's actually Comanche County, Texas. And uh, what Wikipedia, because obviously Wikipedia is the source of all knowledge. uh, But Mm -hmm. uh, Wikipedia (laughs) told me that um, as of the census of 2000, there were 1,967 people, 872 households and 540 families residing in that county so i imagine that's a pretty small area so smallville i think checks that box uh the median income for a household in comanche county was twenty nine thousand four hundred fifteen dollars and the median income for a family was thirty six thousand seven hundred ninety dollars which i think would also gear it more towards like a, a smaller community with not as many opportunities or not as many you know uh, ways to earn a higher income it also said that comanche county is divided into four townships which a township is uh, a, a, a local government in the u.s um, and so i think all of those aspects of comanche county is a good place to put a place like smallville into because i think it works for uh, a smaller county with a lower income uh, so i think putting a fictional town like smallville in that area actually makes sense to me and i also thought it was interesting that uh in 1867 comanche county was established a name for uh comanche native americans and uh, i think kansas would be a place where there would be native american ties and the only time i can remember that a superman story connected superman mythology to native american uh history or iconography or something like that would have been on smallville uh, Smallville had these uh, caves that Clark discovered that had uh, iconography and yeah. um, paintings on the wall that told the story of Nauman, who was this uh, 
character, which I think was maybe Jarrell in the past. I can't remember, but um, but told the story of this uh, otherworldly uh, character who had fire that he shot through his eyes and came in a ball of fire or something like that. So there were Native American mm -hmm. stories in Smallville connected to these caves. And so I thought that was the only other time that I had seen something like that. So to have that connection here in Zack Snyder's Justice League, where um, they sort of just kind of barely mention Comanche, uh, uh, the Comanche na nation or tribe and the, those people, put it in this really interesting uh, perspective for me. Uh, and I also looked up, um, I was, I'm not as familiar with the Comanches. I'm more Southeastern Native Americans, the Chickasaws, the Choctaw people, um, some Cherokee, you know, uh, the, those, those nations, the Scobies. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not as familiar with the Comanches, but apparently uh, Comanche uh, can mean the human beings or the people. And so I, th I thought it was really interesting to put Comanche here. Now, I don't know if Chris Terrio thought of all this stuff. This could maybe be reaching into uh, a lot of this. But I thought, I thought that was so interesting that, like, to have them set in this Comanche county where Comanche means human beings. This is where Kal-El would land. He's, a, he's an alien among the human beings. So all of that uh, was really – I went down this rabbit hole about <laughs> the Comanches and the Comanche county in Kansas – and um, I just thought that really was uh, informing to me about how wh why why are we we often so talk about Smallville and Kansas in that area of the country, but it's very rarely that they set these Superman stories in this area where this Native American history and all this uh, culture would be. It's kind of very rarely discussed in these. So I just thought that was interesting. I'd never really thought about that before. So kudos to Smallville for really digging into that. But uh, but here we get a little bit of that as well on this this small mention on this foreclosure sign. I don't think you're reaching very far. No. I don't, I, I truly, <laughs> it's got to be truly, for a reason. Yeah. I think, you know, we, we've talked so much about the, the names, uh, some of the things that they... Um, a lot of Frederic, which was in Dawn of Justice, and we were just talking about Force Majeure, which was the name of the pregnancy test, uh, which is not a real pregnancy test brand. Um, and so there, a lot of times there's these words that are put here, um, and, and, and who knows, maybe the phone numbers is something else that we, I could try calling it. But uh, I really want to talk about um, some of the dialogue that's, that's here in this moment between Lois and Clark. I'm going to call this number real quick, though, and see, let's see what happens. Are you really going to call it? It's got nope. repo. Out of service. Of out of service? Okay. Yeah, repo was, it was, uh, what was the number? It was, seven, uh, seven, eight, five. Zero, four, five, and then seven, three, and, seven, six. Yeah, and then repo. Yeah, it's disconnected. Oh, it doesn't, that's doesn't exist. <laughs> I'm sure they got people calling it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, so uh, we talked about a joke earlier in this minute. Uh, and then here in this moment, Lois and Clark, they land here back in and I, I call it smallville but you've corrected me it's actually comanche county kansas well Com I, I think smallville would be one of those townships in comanche county is that's how i'm reading it oh so like you have your town and then you have your county so oh, okay yeah okay I, I see um but when lois and clark they land here and she says you brought us here and he said this is home and then she says you spoke and then he says did I not before? Uh, <laughs> I think there's multiple ways you can take this now, right? Um, one, one being, uh, let's start with the obvious, that this is not what was said 
in the theatrical version in which instead of saying you spoke, she says you smell good, which is like, who wants to start with that one? Yeah. Well, it doesn't make any sense because this is a resurrected Clark Kent and she's saying that this guy who is formerly a dead man just uh, a little bit ago, oh, he smells good. What? That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) It just seems like whatever thought process of like, okay, a couple embracing each other, what's like a a good, I don't know, cute, cute lovey-dovey thing that someone would say to somebody when you're giving them a hug. Like, oh, yeah, you smell good. It's like, yeah. How about I missed you? Thank you. And, you know, it, it does it does help, but also it was does so it? off-putting. <laughs> does it help? I, I, so the thought process, the question I have here is you're, you know, you're a filmmaker. You have this movie. It's not your movie. You have this line. Uh, you spoke. Is what she says. And he says, did I not before? What are the mental steps to go to this moment and be like, let's change it to you smell good. That's the part I'm trying to understand. Filmmaking wise, like what does that do? Maybe they were seeing you spoke as if like, well, clearly he spoke i mean we had two movies before where we had where he was speaking you know it's not like this is the first time he's ever talked to lois so maybe they were thinking that doesn't make sense he's spoken before um i i think she's referring to so i think the reason this is how i read like why they changed it is because previous to this when he fights the justice league in the justice league version he's talking during it he he threatens Batman. Yeah, he does. He's like, he's like, do you bleed or whatever he says, like trying to throw it back to BBS. That's that's him talking. And so it doesn't make sense to go from there to then having her say, you spoke. Because she would have been there to, I guess, hear that he spoke to Batman. So that doesn't make mm. any sense. So if you have that scene inserted, you have to change that other line. So that's that's what I don't understand is like, I guess they wanted to have that bit in there to have a little bit of comedy, I guess, to throw back to BBS. But you could have had that scene play out the exact same way where he doesn't say anything. He fights the Justice League and then they come here and she's like, you spoke? Because that actually is very meaningful for her. Mm-hmm. Up until this time, he has been dead. She cried over his dead body. She went to his funeral with his mother. He he was dead. Yeah. And here she is with him, resurrected. And for the first time since he died, she heard his voice. Mm. That is so impactful. The last thing he said to her was, uh, "You are my you world. Are, you, you are, are my, my world." world. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is the this is her, her hearing his voice for the first time, and that's her like she's even. I love the way Amy Adams plays this because she like takes yeah. it in. She like hears him speak, and she and she has a moment where she sort of smiles and thinks about how she's hearing his voice. And uh, I just, it's such a mistake, I think, to remove that moment from this film. Because I think here it, it just plays so well that she's, she's like, she's with this, this man that she loved for the first time since he died. That's who, who, nobody gets that chance. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so I think that's such a, such a big moment for that character. And, you know, when they say, you know, when you're dealing with loss and everything, especially of, of a loved one, the uh, the idea behind just being able to hear their voice again is incredibly impactful. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, this being like a a death and resurrection, especially coming from 
um, a loved one, the first thing she points out is the voice. Yeah, that's it. It really is obvious when you think about it. Uh, dealing with a, a character dealing with loss and what they are holding on to. Um, and again, like you said, no one gets this chance. She she gets her Superman back. Uh, he's back from the dead. That doesn't happen. You know, it's it's incredible it's pretty big it's a big deal yeah she can look at pictures of her with clark all day but she's not gonna hear the the voice you know that's not that's not something you can recreate you can maybe make that out in your mind but that's i think that's such a great point that the the voice aspect of that is not something that you can see in a picture unless maybe you had like video or something of the person you wouldn't be able to um recreate that and what i think is kind of partially funny but also in this same vein is that when lois and clark land lois does not take her hand off of his abs for like a (laughs) for a good while she is holding on to him and uh, partially i think that's just amy adams because one time uh, i think during an interview after man of steel she talked about how like she just she wanted to touch his chest a lot. <laughs> so you see that like in BDS when she touches his chest to say, you know, this means something, you know, she's always kind of t- touching him. And so I think that's just instinctually Amy Adams, like touching his chest. But I think also if you wanted to take it a little more seriously, more uh, analytical about the story, it's also her connecting to this man that she previously thought was dead and she she gets to touch him again it's kind of an all sensory thing she sees him she can Mm -hmm. touch him she can hear his voice um so i think all of that really impacts lois yeah i think that that ties into um uh one of the passages in in the bible if we're going to go and relate him to jesus christ is there not a story of um uh what is it uh apostle paul he's like a to touch the holes in the hands of christ oh that like, would be uh the doubting thomas is what he's there you go oh, oh my Richard god referring to. but wow. Th- thomas really wasn't doubting i think he gets a bad rap people calling him doubting thomas but yeah that's that's thomas yeah yeah or he's like i don't believe that well it, i think not to say that lois lane has any doubt or anything either but it's just like to physically touch christ is yes to be back yeah. again and he like, needed that physical yeah it it was one of those things where like i'm seeing it with my eyes but i really want to know that that's tangible yeah um and so that's yeah i I really enjoy that and and you know this has a bit of humor to it too where he says like did i not before and um me thinking more meta about it was like the criticism of clark kent not speaking enough in dawn of justice i think what he has like they someone has counted that he has like 17 lines of dialogue and this might just be the theatrical version um, but he has a very limited number of, of dialogue in Dawn of Justice. And so maybe there's a kind of a joke there, meta, that is like, oh, did I not before? It's like, well, you, you weren't really allowed to speak in the in the last film. Um, and 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 I think it's it's both in universe and in the script was that, you know, he's he's so um, in, in this trauma and this turmoil. Uh, this political stuff that he's like, I feel like I can't talk. I yeah. can only, sp- he only really speaks to Lois yeah. uh, right. and his mother. Uh, and so it's like, did you not before? Like, well, you kind of were uh, at a hearing. You weren't allowed to speak. There was a bomb and then uh, a giant monster attacked the city. So you really didn't have time to right. talk to anyone except uh, you got to talk to your dad up in like Mount Everest or something. And, and then that was it. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I think there's probably a slight uh, meta aspect to that. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, uh, we we talked about this uh, last week, which was the sun rising. Uh, and we and we said that this is actually a, an Easter movie uh, because like this this would be kind of like the death the and rebirth resurrection. of yeah the death and resurrection of of Kal El here. Um, but we talked so this uh, heist that happened to get into Star Labs to bring Clark in, then and bring him back to life with this mother box. It was all at night, right? And so this is all still taking place in the same time. So the sun has been rising yeah and we kind of saw it in 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 uh the end of last week and then now we see it here and we're back in smallville and we see the sun it is starting to really rise and so to go back to what you're saying about something darker it's like the sun is it's coming up it's doing not to it, mention but... he was still going further west uh being from the east coast in metropolis and then going to smallville he's uh you know going further west so the sun was still it was it was above the horizon uh in smallville <laughs> but then a couple hours away it's still just now getting over the horizon so um ah, that's go. pretty visually excellent uh continuity wise yeah. And I think it's also so fitting for Superman. He's going home. Like, he he tells Lois, you know, she's like, you brought us here. And he says, this is home. And I think it's really, um, you know, Zack Snyder gets a lot of crap for not understanding Superman or not understanding Clark Kent. And I, I just, I, I, I cannot understand that criticism. I think he gets Clark Kent and Superman better than anybody. Um, because here he goes home to Smallville, Kansas, where Clark, I think this this whole sequence of events I think, especially in this minute, this is him starting to rediscover Clark. You know, he'll mm-hmm. he'll eventually go and he'll rediscover his Superman aspect of him. But this is him going back home and figuring out who Clark Kent is and having those memories of Clark Kent. And um, he has, I think, he has to discover those different parts of himself to really remember who he is. And I think it's so fitting that he goes here when the sun is rising because. Sun is a, such an important part for Superman. You know, it's where he gets his powers. It's where he is able to revive himself is because of the yellow sun of Earth. And so to have him go back home to rediscover who he is and uh, have that sun be that visual part of him reconnecting to who he is, I think is so... Uh, it's a small thing, but it's I think it's visually br- brilliant. Yeah. I, th- I think it watching it over and over again the other thing that i am starting to relate it to as well is the opening of man of steel where it showed like the the what was it, the rondor beast and like oh, you know yeah. where it has like the sunset of krypton or candor yeah and it, it, i think of that as well like and it like happens the... when he's born when he when yeah. that first oh, cry yeah. from Ka- Kal-El cries for the first time and that beast like lets out that big roar, you know, to signal that Kal-El has been born. And it's a big, important moment. So uh, I think uh, this is his rebirth, as it were. So yeah, I think it, I think it works. It does work. Yeah. OK, I'll take it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and if you remember, all those beasts and stuff were uh, uh, like saved from extinction by Jor-El. Like they, they oh, yeah. all those mm-hmm. creatures were on the uh Dora L farm the, the L property, yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, His own like menagerie, it. if you will. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Man, yeah, but he, I mean, they were free to roam. It was, yeah, but he was saving them, yeah, until they couldn't be. Um, but he was trying. Um, yeah, it, it, there's so many parallels here. They do a fantastic job, and and really, this is 
when we were like going to do the Zack Snyder's Justice League minute, I you know I really wanted you to talk during these this minute here because um, I feel like you perfectly. I mean, we've seen it here, like your analysis, your way of of, of finding these things out about uh, Superman and Lois. Um, and it's really it's shown here. It's like this is why I want you wanted to have you on board for the, for these minutes because. This right here is just a golden moment, and it's so great to to talk about that with you. Yeah. So. Well, I'm, I mean, all of this is just a, a a rebirth of sorts. Even with the Kent Farm, you know, there's a reason that they wanted it to be under foreclosure and wanted it to be abandoned. You know, it's not mm-hmm. until Clark comes home that he uh, that that starts to change. Mm-hmm. You know, that ev- that eventually will reinst you know will reinstate the the Kent Farm, and Martha will get her her house back. Um, but all of that stuff is abandoned and deteriorated and uh, worn down. But the reappearance of Clark and of Superman, and it, it, it just it kind of all makes me laugh about that. Something darker. Everything from here on up is gonna get better. Everything is gonna be a little bit brighter. So I think you know it's obviously hinting towards dark side. But I think everything that comes after that title card is, is so inspirational and, and moving and. And hopeful that uh, I think they do such a good job of reestablishing the Clark Kent character here, especially. It's almost as if life doesn't return to Smallville until. Yes. Until our Superman comes back. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. Yeah. Very nice. Very poetic. Um, So you will see Lois and Clark to actually start walking towards the Smallville or Ken Farmhouse. Uh, we'll have some more about that tomorrow, but does anyone else have any other notes for this one? No, I think that was it. I just really wanted to talk about uh, Amy Abs, t- wanted to touch Henry <laughs> Abs a lot. I mean, I would. I, if I was I, given the chance, I get it. I, I get it. Understand. I would be. I'm, gl- I'm glad she went for it. I'd be Downton Thomas myself. I'd be like, hang on, yeah. let me, you're real? <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly said. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up for today. If you've enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving us a five-star review. It really does help the show and helps new listeners discover the show as well. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter at DCEUMinute. And if you'd like bonus content, we have a Patreon for just $3 with tons of other podcasts to listen to. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you here next time on DC Cinematic Minute.